0: Well, we are and have been talking about dreams and destiny and vision, and we will continue to doing that for a while, I guess. And so um, Paul asked if I would actually do a little bit of that as well today, and so I'm prepared for that. Uh, does everyone have a Bible? If not, would you, would you grab one? They're laying around different places, um, you know, more and more you've got one on your, on your electronic device, that's great, too. But, um, you know, the Word is powerful. And reading it and holding it in your hands, whether it's in a, whether it's in a paper version or whether it's an electronic version, there's, some, there's power in that as well, I believe. So um, I just, just hope that, that you would all maybe even start bringing your own Bibles and marking, marking in them, et cetera. I, I've gone almost totally electronic now, but still I've got all my notes in the, in the Bible and all that kind of stuff, which is really nice. But um, And I always bring a backup, so I've got it on my phone just in case this one fails in the middle of the sermon, but that's beside the point. Um, I will be spending some time in Scripture today, and um, we're going to be looking at three Scriptures. There's a few others scattered through there, but we're going to be looking at three Scriptures, and the one we're going to start with is Romans 8:19 to 25. So if you can find that in your bibles, it'll be up here too in case, you know, you're you're not comfortable with that. But the the theme of the message today is that we are the sons of God and we are here to release the dreams and destinies that God has placed within us and within others. And, and God himself talks about the sons of God releasing those things in us. and it's just. So I want to just go through some of the scripture that, that, that helps you understand that and helps you grab hold of that. Because when you start to realize that there's a call on your life, and it's not just the dream and destiny that God has placed in your heart, it's a call in your life to help others release their dreams and their destinies. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. So I'm going to start by just, just reading uh, this, this first few verses, we're, and then we'll, we'll pause. Um, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Just think about that for a moment. The, the, the creation itself is waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons, plural, of God. We're not talking just Jesus here, although creation waits eagerly for, for the revealing of the Son of God as well, but for the sons of God, that's us. Creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, Adam, who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. But what those words are saying is, is pretty important. That all of creation was originally free. To produce and to reproduce. If you go back in Genesis and read those passages in Genesis 1, and you realize that we were created, and all of creation was created to produce and, and to produce everything that was needed. And God said, God said to us, I give you every living thing for food, for everything that you'll need. It was all there, it was already, it was all producing for us. Our own creation around us, our little body and, and whatever whatever sphere of influence we operate in, it was already, it was all creating around us, creating everything that we need. I once heard a preacher say that if that if you stop and pray for money, it's it's already it's it's already that you've been deceived. We don't need to pray for money. Money is ours. We need to pray, maybe that it be released from the creation, <laughs> but but it's it's ours. So so creation had a purpose. In that first verse, there you can see it had a purpose. It had a direction. It had a future. And and you know other you know other scriptures like that. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know for the I know the you know the plans I have made for you, plans to give you welfare and not for calamity to give you future and a hope. And and in looking through this, I found one I hadn't seen before. Maybe, maybe you all are familiar with it, but I, I it was just I love it when, when God shows you something you haven't seen before. In in Proverbs twenty three eighteen, it says, "Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off." I went, "Wow, that's really neat." No matter what the circumstances look at look like, surely, surely, there is a future, and your hope will not cut off. So as we talk about our dreams and our destinies and what's inside that hope that we have inside us, we have God's assurance that it will not be cut off. So we've got this backdrop of all of creation created specifically to be able to support us, to support everything we need. And then the fall came. And it subjected creation to futility to the futility and slavery and the limitations of the flesh. So we know that something happened there, something broke, something, something got, got messed up. But the dreams, the destinies, the plans, the purposes, they're all still there. They're crying to be released, but they're all still there that all of creation and all of its destiny, all of its purpose is crying to be released. Right now it's being held in futility, right then. It was being held in futility until Christ came. We just sang that wonderful song about, uh, about the cross. And once he died, it was finished. And all of creation was released from that futility at that moment. All of creation was released at that moment. Mankind's fulfillment. Mankind's fulfillment, is in its redemption, its adoption, as the sons of God. Let's go on to the next slide. Not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan, within ourselves, waiting eagerly. For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he already has. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Okay, a little bit of logic here for a moment. We have to think about we have to think about Scripture in terms of Scripture was written for the people that were reading it at the time, and Scripture is written for people later. Does everybody, everybody understands that, right? I mean, a scripture is not just static in time. Who was Paul writing to in, forget about specifically, but who was he writing to in all of his letters at the time besides us in the future? Who is he writing to then? Okay, Romans, Greeks, he was writing to people who had lived before Christ died. And we're still living after Christ rose. That's an important perspective to keep because some of the things he says, he's speaking directly to what's called the transitional generation. It speaks directly to us too. But understand that when he says something like, um, we ourselves, grown, we ourselves are eagerly awaiting our adoption as sons. We aren't anymore. We have been adopted as sons. We aren't eagerly awaiting that anymore. We may be eagerly awaiting our walking into it in its fullness. We may be eagerly awaiting one of our loved ones accepting that adoption as a son. We just we just prayed up in the. Upstairs we just prayed for someone's grandma who's still at 93 years old I think he said still has not said okay I'll be part of the family. And that's what we prayed that that forget about all the words forget about all the evangelistic phrases that she would just experience personally experience God's love that she would know that she has already been adopted as his child, and all she needs to say is, yes, thanks. I'll be part of the family. We have, we now have been saved. We have realized this hope for sonship. So we have this hope. In hope, we have been saved. But who hopes for what he has already seen? So what Paul is saying here is that there's still the dreams. There's still the destinies. There's still the promises. There's still the plans, which we haven't seen yet. And that's what we still hope for. We still have all the things that God placed in our hearts. We're still hoping, persevering, as we eagerly wait for those things. This is great news, folks. I mean, this is... This is fantastic. We're positioned now for the good news, the good things, the purposes, the plans, the dreams, the destiny are that are God's will. Galatians one fifteen and sixteen. This this is you know anybody anybody else besides me have favorite Bible verses? Only only for about two months and then another one is your favorite? And then a month later, oh, oh, no, this one's my favorite now. Oh, no, no, now I like this one. (laughs) It happens to me all the time. They keep changing on me. But when God, who had set me apart, now this is Paul talking, but talking to us as well, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, when God, who did this, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him, among the gentiles i did not immediately consult with flesh and blood let me break that into two pieces god is pleased to reveal his son in us you want to know what pleases god this is it it's revealing his son in us and god revealed his son on us so that we could walk out our calling so that we could experience everything that he's placed into our hearts. So why aren't we all walking in those dreams? How many of you can say, yep, absolutely attained it, I'm there, got it all, I'm, I'm done, man. <laughs> I can just sit back because I'm, I'm living the dream. Not many of us. How come? Why aren't we walking in the callings that he's played on our lives. And I believe the end of this Galatians passage has a hint in it. Paul said when God was pleased to reveal his son in him so that he might carry out his calling of preaching the gospel to Gentiles, he did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. How many of you have shared your dream with someone, and they dashed it. They stepped on it. They squashed it. Not on purpose. Not me. Meet- well, some people had that experience too, but in many ways, oh, yeah, that sounds like something. You know, when you grow older, you know, well, you know, that takes a lot of education. Uh, you know, you have to have a you have to have a Ph.D. for that. You know, um, it just we have so many things. That come up we just we just don't get it we just don't get how 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 important it is could it be that Paul is alerting us here to the power of God's direct revelation to each of us and could it be that he's warning us against moving on our own fleshly mind and logic to evaluate dreams that he's put into our heart? Could it be that he's counseling us to spend time in his own revelation to us before we consult and share with others? Could it be that he's directing us to look at the things from the eyes on the mind of God rather than sifting it through the apparent circumstances and roadblocks that we see in front of us? Almost every one of us can identify with this you've had some dream you have some dream or you've had some dream that you've given up on because of what the circumstances looked like because of what other people said because of what your own mind said you know i i just don't have enough money to do that i'm i'm too young i can't be a whatever because i'm too young i'm too old you know my dream you know i'm 66 years old i'm going to start now See, I'm, I'm a kid compared to some people in the room. And and they won't listen to me. You know, that uh, you can hear that one way back from Moses' time. Mm-hmm. Moses said this, that, and that they're not going to listen to me. You know, what should I tell them? God can't use me until I clean up my own act. How many of us have said that to ourselves, or how many of us have had that said to us? I can't use you, I mean you got you got a lot of stuff you need to clean up first. you know this is one I hear all the time whenever when everybody when anybody ever talks about going on a missions trip, which I'll talk about in just a second um, I don't know my Bible well enough. what? what did you just say? you're to carry the word of God, not the words. Of God necessarily although those are great to carry too but you carry the word of God and you carry that word in you because Christ is in you so don't ever doubt your ability to speak the word of God the word of love to other people just because you don't study your Bible every day and can't cite chapter and verse my health just isn't up to this. I, I, I really couldn't do this anymore. You know, I'm getting too old, or, or I've always had this, this problem with my whatever it is. So I can't, I can't live up to my dream. I really should have started this earlier in life. I just don't have enough time left. Or how about this one? My family would never approve. Actually, we just heard this one this morning in prayer. Somebody's saying his family and his friends do not approve of the call in his life. What would my friends think of me? What would my classmates think if I did this? And, And then there's that one that we speak to ourselves all the time. Who do I think I am that I could even accomplish this? Conferring with flesh and blood is speaking doubt into God's plan for us, whether it's our own flesh and blood or others. Conferring with flesh and blood is elevating circumstances above God's power and his purpose. Conferring with flesh and blood is focusing on the ites that are in the land around us instead of on the promise of deliverance. So what are we supposed to do? This is, if this is what we're not supposed to do, what are we supposed to do? And I believe that the most important step that we can take to walk into our own dreams and help others walk into theirs is found in 2 Corinthians 5.16, which says from now on, recognize no one. And by the way, that word in the Greek can also mean Nothing according to the flesh recognize no one or nothing according to the flesh now this may sound like an impossibility but it's actually a very practical step and one that we can get better and better at with practice in essence it's walking by faith and not by sight you know about that in second Corinthians 57 it's believing the Spirit's revelation rather than the flesh, Galatians 3.3. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. Like Abraham, we believe, and it's credited to us as righteousness, Romans 4.3. Like Caleb and Joshua, we believe the words and promises of God rather than ours and others' eyes, Numbers 14. Those are just some examples of what it looks like to recognize no one or nothing according to the flesh. So let's look at those verses following 2 Corinthians 5.16. You are so good. It is just you know it is just a joy to have CJ back there. He's 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 ahead of you all the time. He's like he's like a fraction <laughs> of a second. So that no matter what you need, it's there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. Now look at this phrase. This one threw me for a long time. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him that way no longer. Again, think about what I said about who Paul was writing to. He was writing to people that knew this guy who utterly failed in his mission, apparently. Went went to his mission for three years and got totally killed in the real sense but now we look back and we go oh no we know him differently now look at this is the Christ who rose from the dead that's how we are to look even even we look even how we looked at Christ was wrong but now we look at him correctly now we look at him in the spirit and the famous passage is next therefore if anyone is in Christ Who's in Christ? Thank you. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things have passed away. They're gone. They're done. Behold, new things have come. So all those old things that we hold in our heart about how old we are or how old we aren't or how much money we have or how much money we don't have or how much education we lack or how much education we have, all those old things are swept away, starting right this minute, right this second. You are a new creation. Whoop. You are a new creation. Whoop. You are a new creation. Whoops, here we go. You're a new creation. You are constantly being a new creation. This is not just a verse about our souls. It extends into every part of our lives. I love the verse that, that, that says, as Christ is in this world, so are we. That's in 1 John 4.17. So, So we think about, as Christ is in this world, so are we. Christ is victorious in this world, so are we. Christ is above all things, so are we. Just try to grasp that for a second. Just try to grab a hold of that peace. Wow! As Christ is in this world, so are we. Do we really believe that we are in Christ? If we do, then how can we see ourselves as inadequate or sick or unworthy or poor? Are you in Christ or not? Is Christ the master of the entire universe? Is Christ the king? Is Christ the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills? Then how can you look at yourself as poor, as sick? Do we really believe that we are more than conquerors, as in Romans 8.37? We say it all the time, we sing it. Do we really believe it? We need to really start looking at who we are, not who we think ourselves to be. We regard no one according to the flesh. That no one includes ourselves. And you know, I said it's very practical. It is very practical. I'm not saying it's easy to do this, by the way. But it gets easier with practice. Linda and I started doing this years ago in terms of healing and wellness. And we would get a cold, and of course, in the old days when I'd get a cold, the first thing I'd say is, "Oh boy, I, I go this horrible cold. Like I can hardly talk or anything." <laughs> and when when we learned this, I decided I was not gonna I was not gonna regard myself according to flesh and blood anymore. And so when this thing came on, I would just say, uh-uh. I'm regarding myself according to the Spirit. My body may be struggling with this thing, but I'm not, because that's not me. That body that I carry around, actually the body is carrying my spirit around, I guess, but <laughs> but this body is not me. I am in Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And Christ ain't sick. And Christ ain't poor. And Christ ain't inadequate. And Christ ain't a quitter. So who am I? I am healthy. I am rich. I am powerful. Now, all these things that we're talking about, all these things that we've just been talking about, remember, just got through saying, we are a new creation. All things have passed away. That's the previous verse. All things have passed away. All things are new. All these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of of reconciliation christ came to reconcile all things to himself not just all people you know luke 19 10 says that i have come to save that which was lost not just who that which was lost it goes on to say namely that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not just the people the world to himself not counting their trespass against them and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This idea of reconciling is really important here. We are reconciling, bringing together. That's a big word, reconcile. We're reconciling God's opinion to ours. His view of us in all things. His view of the world. His view of other people. His view of our adequacy, our health, our whatever else. He's, he's bringing those into oneness with him. That's what reconcile means. He's bringing them into oneness. Christ came so that we would be brought into that oneness with him. And he gave us this word, this ministry, this job of Reconciliation. See, we have spiritual weapons. We've been given spiritual weapons specifically so that we can take captive everything that is not reconciled, everything that is not one. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6 says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ and we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So now I speak to my body, and I say, body, you're in disobedience. You're in disobedience because the word says you are healed. So body, you're in disobedience. Stop it. Stop doing that. And I know it sounds silly, But as you begin to practice that, you begin to start taking on the authority that God has given you over your sphere of influence, over your body, over your creation around you. We started this with talking about Genesis, Genesis 126, where God specifically says to us, take charge. Take charge. That's what you're here for. Take dominion. You know that 2 Corinthians 5 passage that, oh, that's still up there. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I love this guy. love this guy. It ends with this calling, and the calling is a charge to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you, On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I beg you to think about these scriptures over this next week and be reconciled to God in every area of your life. I beg you, because your life will dramatically change. It won't happen overnight, although some for some of you it might. But it will dramatically change if you walk in this understanding. This is what we do through Mark at 70. We believe that we are called to reconcile the world to the truth of the gospel. We reclaim every part of creation to honor the king and help us realize the kingdom among us. We work with people around the world to tear away the blinders that keep them from seeing God's love and his power and his authority. We tear down those strongholds of injustice and inadequacy and disability and inaccessibility and more, and we build up systems, churches, um, cultures, businesses, and more to receive the fullness of what Christ's finished work on the cross has provided for them. We go and we work with people like Dawson Musasazi that that you've heard of, who is turning a poor, barren land into acres of high-producing farmland that's changing the lives not only of his families and the students of his school, but the lives of many who live in that village of Busambadia Through jobs, through commerce, he's presenting the Christian life as one that is highly attractive because it is marked by blessing and favor. What do you think the reason is that a lot of people don't ever want to become a Christian? Because it doesn't look so good to them. If that's what being a Christian looks like, I don't want it. He's showing people in Busumbadiyah that being a Christian is a favored position. Christians in Busumbadiyah are experiencing a rebirth of their dreams and destinies, and they're walking into them. It's very exciting. We go and work with people like Chilwa Kiliaki in Tanzania, who is using her knowledge and skills in finance and banking to found and build women's clinics all over Tanzania. She's transforming her small home village of Ruaha Mbiuni into a center of commerce that's proving out the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. She's wielding her influence to open up avenues for training and discipling among a wide range of churches and businesses. This year, we add the Lutheran churches of northern Tanzania, whose pastors and bishops are thirsting for deeper insights into their identity in Christ and how that affects the epidemic of poverty mentality. We'll introduce them to the ideas of their congregations being full-time ministers, being full-time gospel bringers to the marketplace, helping others see and walk into the dreams and destinies God has for each of them. And that's what we do with each of you, and that's what we each of us ought to be doing with each other is helping people walk into those dreams and walk into those destinies. So let me just pray a prayer over you, and then, Paul, I'm going to ask if you would elicit those dreams as you've done in other weeks. Can I just ask you real quick, what's yeah. 70? Oh, market at 70, the name comes from the Luke uh, 10 passage which says that Jesus sent the 70 out into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. If you're an NIV reader, it says the 72. Um, just didn't have the same ring to it Uh, but that's what it is that's it's those sent out into the marketplace to bring to bring the word (laughs) yeah so right now I pray into each of you I declare over each of you that you are ministers of reconciliation starting first with yourselves that you will begin reconciling your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own little bit of creation, your bodies, your creation around you, your sphere of influence, into oneness with what God says about you and those things. I declare that you know God's voice. I declare that you know the dreams and destinies he's placed upon you the plans and purposes that he has for you and I declare that you are walking into them and that you will regard no one or nothing anymore from a fleshly standpoint I declare that you will not seek the opinions of the world but that you will first let God's dreams and destinies and plans and purposes for you soak in so that you have them solidly in your heart, solidly in your mind. Once there, begin to talk about them. Uh, Paul talks about that in the four steps in Nehemiah. He'll probably remind us of that. But, But to get them so that you know that you know that you know what God's plan is for you so that no matter who you talk to, or what your circumstances are, you're not going to be swayed. So I declare into you a perseverance, a perseverance that comes from the hope that we have as being revealed as God's sons and daughters, having God's Son in you. In Jesus' name, amen.